brothers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. All her gateways are desolate. Her priests groan. Her young women grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. All the splendor has departed from daughter Zion. Her princes are like deer that find no pasture. In weakness they have fled before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in the days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her, for they have all seen her naked. She herself groans and turns away. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. Look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary, those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? Look around and see. Is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me, that the Lord brought on me in the day of his fierce anger? From on high he sent fire, sent it down into my bones. He spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He made me desolate, faint all the day long. My sins have been bound into a yoke by his hands. They were woven together. They have been hung on my neck, and the Lord has sapped my strength. He has given me into the hands of those I cannot withstand. The Lord has rejected all the warriors in my midst. He has summoned an army against me to crush my young men. In his winepress, the Lord has trampled virgin daughter Judah. This is why I weep, and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is no one to comfort her. The Lord has decreed for Jacob that his neighbors become his foes. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. Listen, all you peoples. Look on my suffering. My young men and young women have gone into exile. I called to my allies, but they betrayed me. My priests and my elders perish in the city while they search for food to keep themselves alive. See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within. 
and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. People have heard my groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. May you bring the day you have announced so they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me. Because all my sins, my groans are many, and my heart is faint. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to your living and active word this morning, and as we turn our attention to the book of Lamentations, and this part of your word that uh, puts words to profound grief and despair. Our Father, we pray that in the midst of our heartaches and our trials that we face and that others face, that you would equip us now of what it means to grieve, but also provide us with those much-needed words of comfort. Please tell us where to turn in the midst of our grieving. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As some of you today have come to church heavy laden and feeling a deep burden, you are in a season of grief. You are in a season of lament. Perhaps you are in a period of suffering, a period of pain. For others here, we are not in such a season. However, in our life, we will undoubtedly enter a season of grief a season of suffering. And during that season, we may come before God and ask Him, where are you? Where are you in my suffering? Where are you in my grief? Asking God, how did this come to pass? Asking Him, Lord, have you abandoned me? Here in Lamentations chapter 1, we are introduced to our first acrostic poem. And this poem is written from the viewpoint of an abandoned widow. A widow in the ancient Near East, without her husband, was completely vulnerable. Without someone to look after her, her future looked dim. A life that would either lead to slavery, to prostitution, or to poverty. Here in Lamentations 1, we are introduced to the abandoned widow. And she has a painful, grief-stricken cry. She cries out, how? Friends, today we are exploring the abandoned widow's story. And the question we will seek to answer from Lamentations 1 is, in my laments, where should I turn to for comfort? In my laments, where should I turn to for comfort? And to answer this question, we turn to our abandoned widow. And from our passage, I want to bring out four points. Point number one, the widow's pain. Point number two, the widow's past. Point number three, the widow's punishment. And point number four, the widow's plea. The widow's pain, the widow's past, the widow's punishment, and the widow's plea. Let's have a look at that first point together, the widow's pain. As we open up Lamentations 1, we are met with that grief-stricken cry. 
how? How deserted lies the city, once so full of people? How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations? She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. Our friends, do we see the contrast between these two verses? A Jerusalem, as she was like a queen among the nations. We see the height of this under the reign of Solomon. But look at her now. Look at her now. This text is saying she is now like a widow. There is no one to look after her. No one to love her. She has become a slave. And her road to slavery has been met with anguish and difficulty. Look at verse 3. It says, After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. As we had read out for us earlier from Jeremiah 52, we heard the account of the conquest of Babylon. And this conquest lasted years. And as Babylon attacked Jerusalem, the city had no reprieve. There was suffering. There was anguish. There was sickness. There was famine. They tried to escape, some of them to other nations, but still no reprieve was found. And as we heard, Jerusalem had then been conquered. The Jews had gone into exile. Their temple was destroyed. And the city burned down. Uh, Verses 4 to 7, I'll let you read these for yourself. But these verses paint for us a picture of what has become of Jerusalem. What has become of this noble queen and how she has now become this abandoned, destitute widow. As I think of what happened to Jerusalem, this once fabulously adorned city, I can't help but think of those makeover shows. Uh, Perhaps you know what I'm talking about. Uh, The host would begin with, uh, this is our guest Mary. And in this picture is a picture of her husband, John. And it'd be a good-looking picture, a picture of a man well-groomed, well-dressed, and then the host would say, this is John now. And then across the audience, there would be shock and horror. Mary would then sob to the host. In the last five years, he hasn't shaved. He hasn't groomed his hair. And whenever he can, he will just walk around the house in his track pants. He just doesn't care about his looks anymore. Mary will then beg the host, please give my husband a makeover. Give me back my husband. A person losing their youthful looks happens to all of us. Since marrying Lauren, I have noticed more bags under my eyes and more white hair. But the story before us is more than just a neglectful spouse who has stopped looking after themselves. In Lamentations, we meet a woman, 
while with her husband, had entered into a world of sin. Entered into a world of living in the moment. Who had no regard for her husband's feelings or wants. But she lived for herself. And this leads us to our second point. Point two, the widow's past. Uh, The destruction of Jerusalem was a result of unfaithfulness. Verse 5 tells us that the exile happened as a result of Jerusalem's sins. Verse 8 says, Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. Uh, Their sinfulness, the unfaithfulness of Jerusalem, has led to her downfall. Uh, What was her sin? Verse 8 and 9 describe it as shameful. All have seen her nakedness. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. In other words, her menstrual flow is visibly seen on her clothing. Our friends, these are shameful descriptions here. I hope you can see this. Jerusalem in her practices has done shameful acts. As she has done shameful acts against her husband in going after her lovers, on depending on her friends and the nations around her. Friends, Jerusalem had worshipped other gods, found comfort in the nations around her. She had listened to the voice of false prophets rather than God. Against God, she has done shameful acts. Our friends, to see one's nakedness is describing immeasurable disgrace. The description of her menstrual flow is communicating her uncleanness. And our passage says that she doesn't even care. It says she did not consider her future. A Jerusalem had lived in the here and now. She had done shameful activities, shameful acts in the worship of foreign gods and listening to false prophets, and ignoring God and His Word. Our friends, what we are being shown here is not a pretty picture. It's a shameful picture. A shameful picture of the town prostitute. And what we have here is not a PG description. Despite her circumstances, she has lived in the moment. Whether in disgrace or uncleanness, she has done it her way. Uh, let me try and clean this picture up with a mild illustration. Our friends, what we see here is someone unwanted, someone dirty, someone defiled. And I can't help thinking of a dog that has been rolling around in the mud. Uh, when we see such a dog, uh, we want to avoid that dog. We want nothing to do with it. But what we have before us here in Lamentations chapter 1 is more than just a dog who has been rolling around in the mud, but a woman who has been rolling around having been unfaithful to her husband. What we see is a nation that has been unfaithful to God. And how has God responded to His bride, His people, the nation of His choosing? Well, He has said, you can have it. You can have it all. 
your lovers, your fun, the worship of foreign gods, your false prophets, your trust in foreign nations. You can have it all. But by letting Jerusalem have it all, what has happened to her? Well, this leads us to our third point. Point three, the widow's punishment. Friends, our widow, the nation of Jerusalem, was given exactly what she wanted. Jerusalem didn't want God. She didn't want his mercies, his protection. She wanted other things. And God said to his nation, fine, fine, you can have it. And God abandoned his bride. We see this right away in verse 10. It says, The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary, those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. We are reminded in God's word of those who improperly worshipped God. What happened to them? They were killed instantly. I think of Aaron's sons who offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, and the Lord killed them instantly. But look here at our passage. It's even more devastating. Pagan nations have entered the temple and stolen from the temple. They have entered a place only where priests could enter. They entered the most holy place and they entered unharmed. Verse 10 is communicating that God has removed his protection from Jerusalem. We see this so explicitly in the entering of the temple. The place where God had placed his name. Foreign nations have entered and have remained unharmed. God has removed his protection from Israel, from Jerusalem. And then verse 11 then is communicating further punishment. That the hand that provided for his people is now no more. Our widow has made her bed, and God is letting her lie in it. And how does our widow respond? Well, let's hear her lament. Verse 12. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? Look around you. Look around and see. Is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted? On me. Friends, do we hear the widow's cries of pain? She is experiencing great suffering, a suffering that no one else but her has ever felt. She alone is experiencing this grief stricken pain. Now, what makes our abandoned widow the license to say this? That her suffering. Her sorrow is not like any others, and no one else but her has ever experienced this. Well, she knows. She knows what it's like to be embraced by God. She knows what it means to be blessed and looked after by God. She looks back at when she was queen among the nations. She remembers her treasures and the wealth from the days of old. So she says, 
Look around you and see. Is any suffering that you can see like my suffering? Is there anyone else around as broken and filled with sorrow as much as me? As she is in pain. From the heights of mountains, a widow has come tumbling down and has experienced a great fall. This punishment is a result of God handing over our abandoned widow to her sins. She did not want the Lord, did not want his protection, did not want his promises. And so in his judgment, in his anger, he has said, okay, you can have it. Verse 12 says, the Lord has brought this to happen on, this, on the day of his fierce anger. Uh, verses 13 and 15, 2.15 are then further describing God's judgment on his people. How God had removed his mercies from them. How he has sent Babylon to punish Jerusalem. And the Lord will not be with them, but will now be against them. A cornerstone. Uh, the drama before us and the punishment for this nation is a righteous response from God. It is a righteous response from God. He has seen this nation, a nation who did not want him, did not want to walk or live in accordance with his ways. And he said to them, I will remove my mercies from you. I will remove my promises from you. I will remove my hedge of protection. You wanted your sins? You can have them. You wanted your lovers? You can have them. Now, friends, I need to say at this point, I need to say at this point, not all suffering is a result of personal sin. Not all suffering is a result of personal sin. Uh, the story of Job is a perfect example of this. But sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. And it's what we see here in Lamentations. So here is our opportunity then to reflect on this scenario before us. Especially those who are struggling and grieving. To ask themselves the question, In my grieving, have I turned away from God? In my grieving, have I turned away from God? Have I, become, have I come, perhaps, under God's judgment? Now, in our Christian walk, whether during our high points or in the depths of despair, we can fall into the trap of turning to the things of this world for comfort. And when we seek comfort in sin rather than God, we can temporarily fall into our Heavenly Father's displeasure. At the Westminster Confession of Faith in chapter 17 on the perseverance of God's saints says this. Let me read from the modern version. It says, Nevertheless, they may through the temptations of Satan and of the world and the pervasiveness of the corruption remaining in them and the neglect of the means by which they are to be preserved fall into grievous sins and for a time continue in them. In so doing, they incur God's displeasure and grieve His Holy Spirit. Some measure of God's graces and comforts is taken from them. 
They have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded. They, ha- they harm others and give them occasion to sin and bring temporal judgment upon themselves. Our brothers and sisters, when we fall into sin, God will sometimes remove His graces from us, His comfort from us, His sustaining hand from us. But why does He do that? Well, He does it to wake us up. To wake us up, to remind us that true comfort cannot be found in the things of this world, but only in God. C.S. Lewis famously said this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Sometimes God puts us through grief, puts us through hardships to wake us up. Lament can be that wake-up call needed to unmask the empty promises of sin. For those grieving, for those here asking, God, where are you? God, have you abandoned me? As you ask for his help, is God first wanting you to see your sin? Is he trying to expose its empty promises? Finding pleasure, finding satisfaction in the things of this world and not in God is a trap that we all fall into. But as we look back on our sin, we realize that it is just empty promises. So this is a warning to each of us at this point. When you seek the things of this world and not God, God will hand you sometimes, temporarily, to be under His judgment. This is to awaken us. To awaken us to our plight so that we might humble ourselves and turn back to God. If you feel the Lord is prompting you at this point and is awakening you that this has been you, I invite you to repent before the Lord, to ask for His forgiveness and ask that He may restore you by His Spirit. In our passage, we see Jerusalem We see our abandoned widow through her grief coming to this realization. And we see her starting to change. And this brings us to our fourth point. Point four, the widow's plea. Lament is the honest cry of a grieving heart. According to Mark Rogob, lament is one of the ways in which a heart is tuned towards God's perspective. He suggests that in a season of lament, lessons can be learned. It allows you to hear the lessons God intends to teach you through pain. So for those here, in your season of lament, what lessons is God trying to teach you? What lessons are learned by our abandoned widow? Our widow learns the valuable lesson of turning back to God. Verse 16 and 17. This is why I weep, and my eyes overflow with tears. 
No one is near to comfort me. No one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is no one to comfort her. The Lord has decreed for Jacob that his neighbors become his foes. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. A Jerusalem weeps, but there is no one to comfort her. She stretches out her hands, stretches them out to her lovers, but there is no one there. They don't want her. She has nothing left to offer them. Verse 18 and 19, The Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. Listen, all you peoples, look on my suffering. My young men and young women have gone into exile. I called to my allies, but they betrayed me. My priests and my elders perish in the city while they search for food to keep themselves alive. A widow awakens to her plight. The loud megaphone of grief has awoken her. And she realizes her lovers, her idols are just empty promises. She realizes that she needs to turn back to God. In her grief, she then cries out to God. She turns to Him and then asks God to turn to her, to see her again. Verse 20 and 22. See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed. For I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. People have heard my groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. May you bring the day you have announced so that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins. My groans are many, and my heart is faint. Our widow turns to God asking for help. And she comes to God asking that justice, that justice would be done. In our widow's lament, she wants her enemies, her lovers and her friends to come under God's justice. As we look at our passage, friends, our widow has turned to God. What we see here is a turning to God and a plea for relief. A relief that will come in justice being done. That her enemies would receive exactly what she herself has received. But in her plea, she kind of stops short. There is a plea for relief, but not a plea for restoration. Can I say that the Christian should never stop there? David, as he cried out to God in his laments, he petitions God to restore him. He asks God that God would remember him, that God would heal him. In his lament, he, he comforts himself with God's character and with God's promises. And this is what we need to do also. Our abandoned widow needs to hear about God's love, about God's care in a time like this. To be reminded of God's love from his character, his work, and his promises. 
Uh, for us, friends, we need to be taken to Jesus. We need to be taken to the promises of Jesus. And so I think a very fitting passage to speak to those who are grieving is from our New Testament passage from Romans 8, where God is aware of our present suffering, the present suffering of this world. He knows about our own individual suffering. And what does he do? He equips us by his Spirit. Romans 8, 26 to 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Paul also reminds us in Romans 8 that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul also says that in Christ we are more than conquerors, and nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. When we are going through hard times, whether now or maybe they will come soon, we need to be taken to the cross. We need to be reminded that Jesus paid for our sins, where he paid our punishment, where we were reconciled to the Father. And he who started a good work will carry it on to its completion. The gospel is more than how we become Christians. It is in the promises of the gospel, the promise of Christ, that the Christian continues to grow. It's also in the promises of the gospel where we are comforted in our grieving, in our despair. In our laments, we need to be told the gospel. We need to be told what Jesus has done for us, what he's doing for us, and what he will do for us. Yes, there will be times when we will come under the Father's temporal judgment. We will come under His displeasure, where He will remove some of His graces and comforts from us. But this is a moment we need to be awakened to God. We need to hear that loud megaphone and be told to wake up. We need to wake up and see the empty promises of our sin and turn back to God. Friends, are you struggling at the moment? Are you grieving at the moment? Hear the loud megaphone of Christ. See the empty promises of your sin. Turn to God and find comfort in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, forgive us for those times when we have sought the things of this world as our comfort and not you. Lord, if we are in a season of where we have forgotten you, Lord, we pray that you would wake us up. Lord, we give you thanks and praise that you alone provide us true comfort and true peace. Lord, help us by your Spirit to turn to you during our times of grief and suffering. 
Lord, we thank you for what our Lord Jesus has done for us. And Father, we pray, Lord, that he would continue to work mightily in our lives. Lord, that we would come to his promises. Lord, that we would come to the cross in our moments of despair. And we pray all this in his name. Amen. Thank you, musicians. Please stand. I'm going to sing by faith. Yeah. 